Hello, friends in Christ. This is Pastor Alan Rose now. Today's message in a word is about transformation or change. We're asking the question, can people really change? Can they really experience transformation? Especially after they've lived their lives in a way that seems so very distant from the ways of God. Is spiritual transformation really possible? Let me ask you, have you ever thought to yourself about somebody else, wow, you know, that person will never change. Maybe you've said, you know, that girl is so messed up, she's beyond help. Or that guy has gone so far down the wrong road, there is no hope for him. I remember when I was in high school, I had a classmate who I didn't know well personally, but his reputation kind of went before him. A lot of people were of the opinion that he was one of those guys that was going to either end up living most of his life in prison or was going to die early. Well, I have to admit, I even had those kind of thoughts about him. 20 years later, I'm attending my high school 20-year reunion, and that guy is there. And he was remarkably a different person. Not only had he become a Christian, he was even involved in a Christian ministry where he was sharing the message of Jesus' love with other people. It was a remarkable change, and I have to shamefully admit that I had written that guy off years ago. We tend to do that, don't we? We tend to write people off as being beyond hope and beyond help. Well, I, I think about Peter, one of Jesus' original disciples. You, you know the story of Peter, probably. He denied even knowing Jesus, not once, not even twice. He denied even knowing Jesus three times. And this after he had spent three years with Jesus, learning from him, had made a bold public profession of his loyalty to Jesus, and still he denied even knowing him. If we had been there, if we had overheard Peter's trifecta of denials of Jesus, would we have condemned him as being beyond hope? Or I think about another one of Jesus' disciples, John, and his brother James. You may know the story that at one point in their time with Jesus, John and James went up to Jesus and rather selfishly asked a special request of Jesus. They asked that Jesus would designate special places of honor for John and James when Jesus came into his kingdom. They asked that they could be at his right and his left, positions of power, authority, and, and high honor. It was a rather selfish thing for them to do. Well, if we had witnessed John and James asking for those kind of special privileges from Jesus, would we have kind of shaken our heads and said, oh, unforgivable, unforgivable that they would do something like that? How many times do we say something like that about people that we know today? Do we really believe that people can change? Or better said, that they can be changed by God. And what about when that person is me. 
when I'm the one that feels utterly unforgivable because of the way I have lived my life? What about when that person is you? Friends, today we are here to affirm that God is in the transformation business. It's what He does best. So let's consider this story of Peter and John going forward as we look particularly into the book of Acts. But first of all, we begin with Jesus' words to them and to the other disciples shortly after He had risen from the dead. Jesus shows Himself alive to them, appears right in their midst, He even eats some fish in their presence and lets them touch him to to show that he truly had come back to life. And then he explains that the Hebrew scriptures had foretold that he would indeed, as the Messiah, have to suffer and die and then rise again. But then notice what he says in Luke chapter 24, verse 47. Listen to these words. He says, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Did you hear those words? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Just consider for a moment how Peter and John may have heard those words for themselves. You have to wonder if Peter, reflecting back on his own failures, on his three-time denial of Jesus, didn't take those words and take them to heart for himself and experience an inner sense of forgiveness and transformation. I have to wonder if John and his brother James didn't hear those words and apply them to themselves as they realized that they had acted rather selfishly but that the Lord Jesus gave them forgiveness. Let me ask you, how do you hear those words of Jesus for yourself? There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, he says. Well, the story of Peter and John continues as we move into the book of Acts now, because a short time later after that uh, conversation with Jesus, we see Peter and John in the city of Jerusalem. They are now emboldened by the the very truth that Jesus Christ had indeed risen from the dead. And they were now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit after the Pentecost event uh, had already taken place. And so they're in the city of Jerusalem and they meet a man who had been crippled his entire life. And he was begging for money from people who would pass by, including Peter and John. Well, as the story goes, through Peter, God heals the man of his disability. And here's where we pick up the story as found in the book of Acts chapter 3. And as I read this next part of the story, pay attention especially to Peter's speech to the crowd of people and pay, pay particular attention to what he says at the very end. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? 
And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets." Friends, ask yourself this question. Were the people who shouted, crucify him, beyond hope, were they unforgivable? And more importantly, when I consider the truth that my own sins nailed Jesus to the cross, am I beyond hope? Am I unforgivable? You know, as you grapple with the, with the reality of your own sin, have you come to the conclusion that you yourself are beyond forgiving, beyond hope, that you see yourself as one of the unforgivable ones? Well, listen again to Peter's words to the crowd in Acts 3, verse 19. He said, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Let me ask you, do you need a time of refreshment? Are you feeling spiritually parched and dehydrated, lost in the desert of your own sin and shame? Peter's speech to the crowd that day is really an invitation to you and to me as well when he says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Times of personal spiritual refreshment, friends, begin with genuine repentance. Repentance is one of those churchy kind of words, I know. But in the Bible and in the original language of the New Testament, the Greek language, the word for repentance is metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means mind. Repentance is simply a change of mind, a change in the way that we focus on what is really important. And repentance is a call to do a 180-degree turn, turning away from sin and turning to God in faith, especially to our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Peter said, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. You know, we just recently celebrated Good Friday and Easter. And on that first Good Friday, think about what Jesus did for us. He piled on himself all of your sins and mine and the sins of all people of the world. And he intentionally died in our place. He was punished so we would not be punished for our sins. And he simply says, believe that I did this for you and you are forgiven. And by his glorious resurrection on the third day, he guarantees that not only are our sins forgiven, but we have the gift of eternal life with the hope of resurrection uh, coming our way. What greater news could there be? But now you may be struggling with this reality, saying to yourself, but you know what? I sin every day and I feel like such a failure in my spiritual life. Well, it's true. We all do sin every day. Martin Luther, the great 16th century reformer, uh, wrote these words in the first of his 95 theses. He said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. The entire life of a Christian, you see, is one of daily repentance. I remember one of my seminary professors used to say, life is so daily. That has always stuck with me because it's so true, isn't it? We sin every single day and we need God's forgiving grace every single day. I think it's no surprise that Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray and gave them his famous prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he included that petition that says, give us this day our daily bread. We need it every day. I think he's referring not only to our physical bread, our physical needs, but also our daily spiritual bread by which our souls are nourished and strengthened. We need that every day. It underscores the importance then of being in the Word of God on a daily basis, reading and hearing for ourselves every day that wondrous message of Jesus forgiving our sins by His death and resurrection. It also underscores the importance of uh, reminding ourselves of the meaning of our baptism every single day. Martin Luther used to encourage people to daily confess their sins, daily remind themselves that they're baptized, and in that way, daily drown the old sinful nature and daily rise anew, a brand new creation in Christ. Life indeed is so daily. All of this also reminds us of the importance of coming to the Lord's Supper on a regular basis, to receive the body and blood of Christ present in a miraculous way in that bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins. And here at Shepherd of the Desert, we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday at every worship service because we know we need it regularly for our own refreshment. These are opportunities for spiritual refreshment of our soul, our hearts, our minds. Well, yes, Peter and John encountered a crippled man begging for money. But if you think about it, in truth, we are all people who are crippled, crippled by sin, begging for mercy. 
Martin Luther's final words on his deathbed before he passed away were these, we are beggars, it is true. And the good news, friends, is that we beggars have received grace upon grace from our risen, risen living Lord Jesus Christ. We have been spiritually healed and well-fed by the one who loves us to the point of giving his very life for us, the one who himself is the bread of life. There's a well-known quote by D.T. Niles that goes like this. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Friends, when you are struggling with a particular area of your life where you feel you are constantly failing or falling, perhaps this alternate version of Niles' quote uh, could be helpful. Discipleship is just one beggar reminding another beggar that you have found bread, even if some parts of your spirituality still feel weak and malnourished. You see, what, what you may see as constant failure does not represent who you are or the totality of your discipleship, your walk with Jesus. Sin has a way of wanting to kind of minimize the good work of God in us by deceiving us into seeing only one or two areas in the totality of our life of discipleship. The devil would love to just accentuate our failures. But in truth, we are each a work in progress. And God the Holy Spirit is at work in each of us who trusts in Jesus as our Savior. And that Spirit of God is constantly working and shaping us more and more into the likeness of Christ Jesus. So friends, remember, one day at a time, daily repent and turn to God in faith so that your sins may be wiped away. And in Jesus Christ, they truly are never to be brought up again. You know, Peter and John were role models of spiritual beggars who told other beggars where to find bread. Let me ask you, whom do you know who needs a time of refreshment? Whom do you know who needs a message of hope, the assurance of forgiveness? Let me invite you to share the bread. Share him who is the bread of life, Jesus, the one who rose from the dead and the one who can raise anybody into a brand new life. Amen.